0: We, we are starting a new series, uh, we're going to go through the book of Colossians um, over the next five weeks, which is exciting, it's something that actually has been on our heart from the beginning of the year, so looking forward to, to be reading through this and, and preaching from this. But I just want to start with an illustration uh, by a guy called Jonathan Edwards, uh, who was a, a pretty well-known preacher in the US, a revivalist, and one of the first philosophical uh, theologians. Um, and he says this, and uh, he's talking about the difference between head knowledge versus heart knowledge. He said, our minds can know honey is sweet. People can tell you it's sweet. You've read books about it, but if you haven't actually tasted it, you know with your hair but not with your heart. When you actually taste it, you experience it for yourself. You know it in a full way, and you can know it in your heart. Now that's gonna. I'm gonna tie my message in around that illustration, and so. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the context of the Book of Colossians. So, get a, you guys a bit of background. Uh, so, the, the Colossian church, which Paul wrote this letter, he was writing to. Um, the church was in a city of Colossae, uh, however you want to call it, uh, in Asian Minor. So, modern day Turkey. So, it's it's inland uh, in Turkey. Um, It does come up on the map, actually, map. Um, There's a big city just outside of it. I can't remember what the city's called. Um, So Paul Paul never visited the Corinthian church. Uh, This church was actually founded by Epaphras, who was uh, another convert who who were connected to Paul. So Paul kind of walked with him and they were the people that kind of went and planted this church. And Paul, when he was writing this letter, uh, he was in jail in Rome. And I guess the purpose of this letter, and I think it's always good to understand the purpose and the context when we're reading these books uh, that Paul writes, because I think often we as Christians think that this book's written to us, but it's actually written to the church. We can learn from this, and obviously we can take something out of this because God can speak through uh, these books. Uh, But the purpose of this letter was to confront false teaching um, around the deity of Jesus, and so, what was happening? There were believers that were trying to combine elements uh, of paganism and sec- secular philosophy with Christian doctrine. And so, one of these prominent heresies was Gnosticism, uh, which was the belief that a person had secret knowledge that um, this secret knowledge that denied Jesus as God and savior. And so, and and these these people had Gnostics. They thought they had this amazing knowledge that no one else had access to. Um, And they valued accumulation of knowledge. So they loved studying philosophy uh, and they would just bring it all together. Um, And so I guess this knowledge also just to understand the accumulation of knowledge, you kind of led them to think that they uh, were better than others just because of the knowledge they had. You know, they would speak over people because of the knowledge they had. You know, you, I don't know if you've been in a discussion with someone that's – he's a high intellect. It's very hard to win an argument against them. And and so this is kind of what I can see with, with Gnosticism. Um, and I, I guess this is where the idea of Paul talks about knowledge puffing up. And so these Gnostics' uh, beliefs were a prime example of knowledge puffing them up uh, to the point that – they were saying that God revealed certain things to them that no one else had access to. And to be honest, that still happens today. We see that quite often. We've seen many uh, religions come out of Christian Orthodox. Um, Things like Jesus is not God, he's not a deity, and uh, I'm not going to name certain things, but we know of those those things, and it comes from that Christian. And often, some of these are actually an angel. They claim that an angel has appeared to them and gave them the special knowledge that you know that showed them more to God than Paul's very clear that angels that the devil can appear as an angel of light. So I actually think that there's probably some truth that an angel may have appeared to them. I think that angel might not be the God of Light. I think the angel might be the the darkness, because we know that the devil was an angel himself, and Paul's very clear that if he doesn't quote the word of God, don't listen to them. And so we've seen that come out. And This is what's kind of happening here, and and um, Paul's talking into this, so it's good to understand that. But I guess how does that apply to us? I'm sure there are some in, in within the church that, but it's pretty minuscule that we see that. Um, if we do, often, hopefully, we as a church are kind of speaking that out. And, um, but what I do think kind of happens in the Western world is there's this idea that uh, to know more is to be more. To know more is to be more. And this strive to accumulate knowledge. If only I knew more. If only I could just express my ideas more clearly. If only I had more of an education. Uh, And so I think this is highly valued uh, within our society. You know, if you sit at a table and you went through everyone, what do you do, what work do you do? As soon as someone says they're a doctor, it's just like you're on another level. Why do we do that? Why do we do that as a society? You know, this idea that knowledge makes us more superior. And so and then what happens um, and and the reason I talk about this because Knowledge is not bad in itself, but it's when you turn it into pride and arrogance and judgmentalism, if that's a word, judge, being judge, judgmental. See, I don't have great knowledge sometimes. And I, I think that's, we've got to be careful. It. And I love what John Cason, uh, Cajun if you want to call him, he was a, one of the first Christian monks Uh, and a theologian from the 400s, and he says this about knowledge. He says, If you wish to attain true knowledge of the Scriptures, hasten to acquire first an unshakable humility of the heart. That alone will lead you not to the knowledge that puffs up, but to that which enlightens by perfecting love, by the perfecting love. I I just love that quote. John Bevere says, The knowledge of God's word without love is a destructive force because it puffs us up with pride and legalism. This causes us to justify ourselves rather than repent of the unforgiveness. And I I think in this Western world, we have this idea, and you, you see this in our culture, that we think in the Western world that we are so much better than other countries especially, you know, those in Eastern uh, or Middle East because we think we have all this access to knowledge and, and you know, in the last 100 years, you know, 100 years ago, we didn't have the internet well, 20, 30 years ago and now at the tip of our, we can, we can Google, we can Google stuff about the Bible, what Jesus said and what does this mean and um, stuff on TV, you know, we're we just, it's just knowledge going in our head, going and we just, the amount of knowledge that people didn't deal with 30, 40 years and we've got to be careful that we don't allow all this knowledge to puff us up thinking that we know better than others. Now, again, don't mishear me saying that knowledge is bad. We obviously still learn with our heads. Um, And some have, God has given an amazing gift uh, to some that have this intellect that we'll we'll be able to speak with those with intellect. Like there is great beauty in those. And so I think there's an idea that sometimes with God that you have to leave your mind at the door, your intellect at the door. That's not true. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to come with knowledge, with humility. Head knowledge without the heart knowledge is legalistic and law-focused. And there is a tension in this because there are things that we can't understand with our hearts that we need our intellect, you know, to understand. And so, for example, and I think a lot of us wouldn't probably have come to Christ without our head knowledge. You know, we see some great guys like Jane Water Wallace, uh, I forget, uh, Lee Strobel, they actually came uh, to God through their head knowledge, their intellect. But then it went to their heart. So you you don't mishear me. Um, and so we need to, what Paul is doing here, what I love about Paul, when he's writing Colossians, he uses head knowledge, but he does it from a place of a transformed heart. Now, if you've got a, a heading for my message for, for tonight my heading is a transformed heart. And so it's, and I just want to clear this up too. It's important to note that there is a difference between heart or spirit. So understand when, when it talks about the Bible talking about the heart, it also relates to the spirit in us. There is, there's a bit in the scripture where it talks about God's spirit speaking to our spirit, which is talking to our heart. But there's a difference uh, between the heart and our emotions. We should not let our emotions lead us. Now, it depends though, and this is obviously something that I'm still wrapping my head around, but what we often do is that we are led by our flesh and our flesh, because our emotions and feelings can come from our mind. And if we are led by our flesh, it tells our mind certain things about ourselves and then we are led by our feelings based on those things. It's like a thought court. and I've, I'm sure there's some psychologists around here that could explain this a lot better. But we can actually push aside certain things that come to our minds and not let our feelings dictate. But if we focus on a negative thought about ourselves and then we take that, actually that's where our feelings and emotions come from. What I'm saying is that if we have a transformed heart that God has transformed, and we let that lead us, lead our minds, that can lead to positive feelings and emotions. So, positive emotions and feelings aren't terrible, but it's it's whether what's dictating or leading, which I'll explain in a little, little bit more depth. But we need the spirit and the intellect. So, our heart and our mind, we need them to lead together. And so that our mind is transformed as we are renewed through Christ. And so what I'm saying is the Pharisees, for example, they knew the Torah. They knew the law better than anyone. But what was the issue that Jesus spoke against? It wasn't their head knowledge. It was their heart knowledge. They were so distant from God. And some of them weren't. Some of the Pharisees... Did have a heart for God it was those that had were just so stuck in here that they missed here and I'll give you an example a prime example of myself I remember when I was doing interns um, and you know I was I was doing my surf for ministry in theology and as we were reading through the world I was just I was just gaining so much knowledge I was just like I know was, I've been a Christian my whole life, and it's like I never had opened the Bible and just read things. And it was just it was just speaking to my mind so much. But the problem was that knowledge started to puff up. And I remember I was at a conference, and this speaker was speaking, and and you know I was I'm sure he had a good message, but I can't even remember the message. But all I remember was sitting there. It was like he took a verse out of context. And you know what I did? I went up to him after the service, didn't know him, and told him, I can't believe he took this verse out of context. It wasn't heresy. It was something so small. And I remember my brother pulling me aside and told me, you have become so prideful and arrogant. You need to stop this right now. Can I tell you, it was, I was so thankful for my brother because I had, I had said some really hurtful things to him, to his church. And this is the example because we, this is what happens. We get this knowledge and we think we are better. We think that we know more. And, but we need, to, we need to be here. And so I love what, you know, and I think it helps when you're reading Colossians, when you see Paul's heart when he's speaking. So let's, let's turn to 1 Colossians, and I want you to see the humility. You've got to understand, some of the letters that Paul writes, there are some heretical things happening in these churches. Notice how he starts his, his letters. Notice how he speaks in. And I'm not going to start um, from verse 1. I'm going to start with verse 3, uh, chapter 1. And this is what he says. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Now, I love this. He says, when we pray for you, Paul was praying for this church and he's never been there. He hasn't met these people. And I love that. Like, who are you praying for that you've never met? Who are the people that you've heard about their faith? In Christ Jesus. And you go, wow, I'm going to pray for them. And this leads to my first point. Those with a transformed heart have genuine faith in Christ Jesus and that genuine faith has a true love for God's people. And why I love that, because Paul has heard about their true love for their brothers and sisters. For God's people, those that they're walking with. Imagine if that's what we as Divergent Church were known for the love that we have for each other. It'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? That's the, that's the talk of the town. Man, that Divergent Church, they love each other. I want to take this one step further. It doesn't say that church, it says for God's people. Who are God's people? Christians, followers of Christ, it goes beyond divergent. Imagine if the world were talking about the love we have for other Christian believers, even from other churches. Do you know what happens with head knowledge? We become critical of other churches. We become critical of preachers. And the secular world is sitting there and going, All you guys do is just bad mouth each other. And I love that. This is what Paul's talking. He's talking about the love. Imagine that love. We've got to stop judging people with our minds and start loving and speaking well of those around us. Yes, there are some churches that we don't fully agree with, but to think that we are better, that's from here, not here. I can tell you right now, God's probably sitting there and going, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And again, we need to come from a place of humility. And so the Colossians were known for the love that they had for each other. And this is a genuine love. And this just reminds me what Jesus said to, to his disciples. He just says, you will be known as my disciples, as my followers of Jesus by the love you have for each other. If you read one, John, this is, this is a similar message through the whole book. John says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is not a head knowledge love. This is a heart knowledge love. There's often people go, well, you know, I need to tell this person about this, uh, and but I'm doing it out of love. Often I think it's because you're doing it from here, not here. And it's got to come out of this, this love. And to be honest, that is really hard to live out, this, 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 hard, this love, knowledge of love. It's, it's, it's so much easier to tick a box than to live by love. You know, love is going beyond its internal motivation And love changes our heart, which in return changes others' hearts. Transforming. Let's continue reading verse 5. It says, The faith and love that we just talked about, that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. What does Paul say? Where does faith and love come from here? He says it springs from hope. And what is that is hope? The hope in things to come. Our salvation. Now, notice Paul doesn't mention knowledge is what gives us hope. Paul is very careful to mention that knowledge is what gives us hope because, again, he's talking to the Gnostics. And so it's, it's good to understand that our faith and love and hope. Is not from knowledge. Don't get me wrong. We can get to that from knowledge. And I'm not saying knowledge is, is bad because knowledge can help us to understand God's, uh, his character, him as his love. But I'm telling you right now, knowledge does not bring salvation. It can lead us to salvation. It's the heart. The transformation of the heart its when it goes from here to here. Born again. What does that mean? Born again spirits. Our hearts are born again. It's transformed. Because there are many. Can I tell you, there are many theologians that are not Christians. They know Scripture from back to front. The devil has knowledge of God. He's not saved. When it goes from here to here, knowing Christ is knowing God. I love this. It's not not what you know, but who you know. I'll say that again. It's not what you know, but who you know. It it changes the whole ballgame. It goes from... You know, I could I could know everything about my wife. I could talk to her parents. I could find all this info, and yes, wow, that gives me a great knowledge of her. But it's not until I know her, I walk with her. That's where the true love is, and that's the same with God. God is actually opening and saying that you can walk with Him. I'm going to continue, and says. Can you continue in Colossians? It says, and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way, sorry, that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. This leads to my next point. Those with a transformed heart know the gospel is not just a message, but it transforms your heart, which produces fruit fruit that grows throughout the world. And when Paul says fruit, what does he mean? In Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there are more that come from that fruit. Can I tell you, it's hard work being self controlled. It's hard work to be forgiving. It's hard work to be joyful. But when it goes from here to here, can I be honest? It, everything seems freer and easier. Because when it comes from here, a transformed heart, it's like a fountain, it's an overflow. And all of a sudden, love and joy and peace is an overflow. It's a fruit of the Spirit, not something we have to produce. The Spirit will produce it in us. And I think what's happening, some of us are like apple trees, trying to produce oranges. And what I mean is some of us are trying to walk in the flesh without a heart change, and they're trying to produce Spirit, the the fruit of the Spirit. You know, but flesh produces flesh and the Spirit produces godliness. A transformed heart produces love, joy, peace, kindness. We need to stop working in our flesh and start walking in the Spirit. We need to have a transformed heart. Are you hearing this? It's good. I feel this is a message that God is just kind of speaking to me about. And it continues in Colossians. It says, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Now, I think that's something too important there. Truly understood God's grace. I'll continue and I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that. You learned it from Epaphras. Our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of our Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit and told us of your love in the Spirit. Leads to my third point. A transformed heart keeps in step with the Spirit. A transformed heart keeps in step with the Spirit. Told us of your love in the Spirit. Where does love come from? I think I mentioned this earlier. Where does it come from? Where is it? God. Good. Right answer. And who did God give us when we gave our hearts? Who did he give us? He gave us Jesus. We gave our hearts to Christ, and then he gives us the Holy Spirit, which is God. They are three in one. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God are love. And where do we get our love from? Walking in the Spirit. And this is what Jesus says in uh, John 16, verse 7 to 13. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Doesn't that ever blow your mind going, how can that be good that you're going away, Jesus? Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. Now, often when I think Christians read this passage, they think, oh, I've got the Holy Spirit now. I can judge people, tell them, convict them of their sin in the world. What does Jesus say? This? Who does that? says, the Spirit, He will. The Holy Spirit will prove the world to be wrong about sin. Not you, the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean that we, we don't have a part to play? We do have a part to play. I'm not saying that, of course, but it starts with the transformed heart, not from here. It starts with love. It starts with loving God and loving people. If we don't get this right, if we think we're the ones to judge and convict, we don't get that right. We're no different to the Pharisees because that's what they did. They were legalists and we become legalists, ticking a box, pointing out people's sin, being judgmental and self-righteous. But it's the Holy Spirit's role. Who brings people to God? The Holy Spirit. He's the convictor. And yes, by what we say or encourage or show our love, that can actually help the Holy Spirit continue to convict people, to lead them to God. And what I love also in this passage, when we have the Holy Spirit, who leads us to truth? Often people would say the Bible. Jesus didn't say that. He said the Holy Spirit. See, there are some within church circles that think the Holy Spirit no longer speaks. That is not true. That is not true. The Holy Spirit is continuing to speak today, and He is the one that's going to guide us into all truth. Don't mishear me that the Bible can't help. But who inspired the Bible? The Holy Spirit. And so I think what happens often in the church, and we need to be careful, people idolize the Bible. They let theology get in the way when the Holy Spirit is the one that can speak and guide us, and He leads us into truth. Can I tell you right now, there are people in the Middle East that are getting visions of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is walking them. They don't have a Bible, but they are Spirit-filled. They have joy. They have peace. They know Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The Bible didn't lead them. They didn't have access to it. Now, yes, Later, they did. But we need to stop under- thinking that the Bible is what's going to save us. It's important, it's God's Word. Don't mishear me. But it's actually the role of the Holy Spirit. And we need to let the Holy Spirit through- speak through the Word of God. And what is the Holy Spirit's role? The Holy Spirit helps us walk like Jesus. Walk like Jesus and be like Jesus. That was Jesus' promise that he would give us the Holy Spirit. That's why he had to leave. It's going to be better. And I think that's the amazing thing because why, why would Jesus say, okay, you got the Bible now. You don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. No, we do need the Holy Spirit. We do, and, and I can tell you right now today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And I know He's speaking to many. And He's guiding, and He's walking, and He has led me into the spirit of truth. Because knowledge is not, it only gets you so far. When it comes to here, that, that's when the transformation happens. That's when the change truly happens. i let just go back over our notes. A transformed heart has genuine faith in Christ Jesus. And that genuine faith has a true love for God's people. A transformed heart knows the gospel. It's not not just a message. The gospel is not just a message. It's more, it's in our lives. We actually show the gospel at work. We go from being dead to being alive. That is the gospel message that we are made new through Christ. And he gives us a new spirit born again. That is the gospel message. And we can show the people, not just by our words, but through our actions. It transforms hearts and it produces fruit. Faith without works, as James says, is dead. Doesn't mean we focus on the works, but if we have the Holy Spirit, if our hearts are transformed, works come out of that. It's natural. We don't have to force it. And then, three, a transformed heart keeps us in step with the Spirit. Now, maybe you're hearing this message uh, tonight, and you're thinking, I know God loves me, but I hate myself. Or I know God wants me to be generous, but I just can't do it. Maybe you're simply stating truths, about God from your heart, uh, from your head, and using that knowledge, but there is a lack of understanding in your heart. You know what, we all feel this way at times. But if we truly know that God loves us, we won't hate ourselves. God's love would be so real that we would see ourselves the way He sees us. And can I tell you He loves you? He really loves you. You are a child of Him. And He he wants to be in relationship like a father and a son, like a father and a a daughter. He wants to be with you and walking with you. And it's not until we are walking with Him that we will seriously experience his, His love. If we know God truly wants us to be generous, we will joyfully Give our money, time, possessions back to him and anyone in need because that is God's heart. God is a generous God and when he transforms our heart, he gives us his heart. And so the question I had this morning was, I understand, Kay, this message, This, this I need to go from here to here, but how do I do that? How do I get there? And the question I have for you tonight, have you given everything, your heart, everything to God? Have you nailed everything to the cross? And when I say everything, I'm talking about unforgiveness. I'm talking about bitterness, anger, hate, lust. See, I think what's happening is we're like, give me more knowledge, give me more knowledge, but uh-uh, I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm going to ignore that. I, I, it doesn't matter I have anger towards that person. You know what that's saying? God, you don't have my full heart. And, and there's, I'm reading a book right now, and he talks about that we need to go from a knowledge-based teaching, he's talking about preaching, to an obedience-based teaching. And what he means is, what did Jesus command in the Great Commission? He said, teach them to obey everything I have commanded. He's talking about Jesus' commandments. Now, I'm not saying that, again, we can make it a law-driven thing. We need to obey everything Jesus commanded. But if we disobey, who are we disobeying? Not just Jesus, but the Holy Spirit. We need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. And leaning. And and this is what Bonhoeffer actually talks about. And he has his disagreement actually over Martin Luther. He says that Martin Luther cheapened grace. He said that Luther just, you can do what you want nearly along those lines. But if you truly understand grace and going back to that verse, if we truly understand grace, we understand what Jesus had done on the cross we truly understand that all our sin was nailed to that cross, that we have a new life. We have freedom. And by holding on to those things or doing those things is not bringing freedom. I can tell you right now, you just have it up here and not here. If you want to live and walk in true freedom, it's actually giving everything to God. It's coming under His Lordship. Jesus is the Lord. Are we willing to come and listen? And I think often we think of lords as really demanding. You know what? Jesus is demanding at times, but he's loving and he's caring and he wants to walk with us. He wants to give you joy, peace, patience. He's called the Prince of Peace. And so I want to encourage you, Make a decision not just to give your mind, but also give your heart to Christ. Ask God, search my heart. Maybe you don't know, but there may be things that are hidden that you have just ignored for years. It's not too late. God is always ready. He's always been working on you. And all it takes is saying, God, search my heart. Show me the things that I've held on to. Show me the people that I'm not, I haven't forgiven or I've held on to, or the anger or bitterness. Father, I want to give you all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. And I I want to encourage you that God will start to change your heart. He will start to change your mind. And it may be a process. It may take time. Sometimes for some it's like that. For others, God is continually working at us, and he will continue to work on our hearts. I can tell you right now, I'm still, God is still working on things in my heart. The process, it's a process with God. We just need to come with humility. We need to come with love. We need to come and say, God, I'm here. I'm at your feet. You can have all of me. Amen. I want to finish with a prayer. And we're going to chat and talk about this in groups. But I want to finish with a prayer. And it comes from, we're finishing off uh, 1 Colossians 1 verse 9. And this is actually Paul's prayer. He says, I pray for you. And this is the things he prays for, for the Colossians. And I think this is a prayer that he's also speaking to us. And I love what he says. He says, fill them with the knowledge of your will. Notice he says, don't fill them with knowledge. He says, fill them with the knowledge of God's will. What, what is he talking about? He's talking about the will of God for them. He's saying to us, we, he prays that we would walk in God's will. And I think that's, that's a, an amazing thing, if we can walk in his will. But Let's, let's pray this. If you want to pray with me, you're more than welcome to. But let's pray. Father. I pray that you will continue to fill us with the knowledge of your will. Give us your spiritual wisdom and that we will please and honour you. Father, help us to bear good fruit. Grow in your knowledge and fill us with your strength. God, give us great endurance. Give us patience so that we stay full of Christ's joy always always giving thanks amen